Welcome to Harvest Valley Worship Center's Sermon of the Week. You can discover more about our church, pastors, and special guests at hvwc.com. We hope that you are blessed by today's message. Well, we've had, we've had the privilege and the honor of walking with Annalie for um, a lot of years, and she is an, a mighty woman of God. And her calling is sure. And what I believe today is, is like the beginning of your appointment. Because um, there's anointing and then there's appointing. Okay, a lot of people operate in, in great skill and great anointing. But they're never appointed because they won't come under an authority. They're ne- they're, they never let anyone appoint them because they think, oh, I don't need men. I don't need people in my life to, to help direct me or guide me or appoint me to a place of authority. God, that's how God operates in the earth is through men and women of God appointing other men and women of God to places of authority. Self-appointment leads to disappointment every time. And she has positioned herself whether it was under Jim when he was interim or whether it was me, she's always positioned herself in a place to be taught and teachable, to be humble, to walk that out, to take correction when she needs it from time to time. It's not often, but, but when it comes up, she receives it with humility and she walks through it with such grace because she's going to the Father and she's trusting the Father with fallible people in her life. And because of that, she has entered in to a new level of authority. And I believe that today's the beginning of that authority being released. And so, Annalie, we just bless you. Uh, we are grateful for you. And we thank you that the word that you're bringing today is not just what we need to hear, but it is a pivotal word that will shape this house. So we're ready to receive. Will you guys welcome Annalie to the platform, please? Thank you. Hello. Hello, hello. Hello, hello. Um, I want to share just for a second about coming under authority. Um, Because I I was not treated well by authority, as well-meaning as they were, for the first 36 years of my life. And it was quite the challenge, you know, that the Lord challenged me with bringing me here to trust any leader again. Um, And God's faithful. He's so faithful. It took me four years, you know, to to unpack and, you know, detangle and all the things that needed to be released and healed. And, uh, yeah, God's just so faithful, you know. And for me, the key was realizing, oh, I can say no. I can say no. It's just this little word in this little sentence, and oh my gosh. Anyway, but I had to get the revelation of it. People could tell me you can say no, and I didn't get it until I got it here, you know, until that revelation came. So anyway, um, I've really found what Pastor Chris has just shared to be true about coming under authority. You know, whether, yeah, it just, amen to what he said. So... As I was preparing for today, the Lord highlighted a few things to me about worship. They're not all the things about worship. Um, I could talk for days 
about worship, right? Um, but today we're just going to talk about a couple things, and that it's more—it's more about how worship is a key than how you know the mechanics or definitions. Um, culturally, for us, I'm going to start with a definition, though. You know, we think of worship as the time we just had with music, um, and. Thank you to King David. He established worshiping with music very well. Um, but all the words in the, in the Bible, Old and New Testament, that are translated as worship don't have anything to do with music. They're all action verbs that require a direct object. They're not standalone verbs like breathe. I don't usually breathe to someone. I just breathe, right? But, but the, the words in the Bible that are translated as worship they, they mean things like falling down on your face, kneeling, you know, um, putting your face to the ground. There's one beautiful one where the word picture is of a dog licking his master's hand. And it has more of an adoration uh, connotation to it. Um, the first mention of one of those words is in Genesis 18.2, where Abraham, he's, um, what's the name of it? Mamre. He's in his tent in Mamre, and he sees three men in white, and he recognizes who they are, and he runs and bows himself down to the ground in worship. So, um, biblical worship, which is the title of my message today, um, is 100% about this, what's in here, what's in our hearts, and what we bring to the Lord and how we demonstrate it. I ab like, I'm totally down with sitting quietly and worshiping, you know, silent and still. I did that a lot when I first came here. Or I would stand in one spot, because I, I sang hymns sitting down for my whole life before that. Um, so standing up was big, right? Um, but yeah, there's, there's more. There's more than being rooted to one spot in worship. And I want to encourage you, quick side note, you know, Listen to the Lord as you worship and let him draw you into doing different things. Um, I did so many things. <laughs> I'll have to tell some stories someday um, about what the Lord asked me to do during worship when I was out here. Um, but man, he worked out so much stuff in me. So many things in me because I just followed him in worship. I came with my whole heart because I was desperate. My world was falling apart and all I... All I really knew was God was good. Actually, I didn't know that yet, but I chose to believe that God was good. Yeah. I didn't have a sure testimony of that yet. But I came and I just let the Lord lead me wherever because I didn't know where to go. I didn't know what to believe even. But I stood on that. God's good. And he did, worked out all the things. And most, literally 99% of it was during worship when I was solely focused on him. Come on. Yeah. Come on. Um, so James 4.8 is, is the foundational verse for this message. It's draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Um, that verse is, was so foundational for me in my journey because I trusted it. Not that if I drew near to God, he would th withdraw from me. Or if I drew near to God, he would stay aloof from me. But if I drew near to God, he would draw near to me, and he has every time. Every time, it didn't matter. You know, there have been times when I was in bitterness and in rebellion, and he still drew near. Doesn't matter where you're at. He 
is your dad and we're his kids and he wants to be close. You know, it's like the blood of Christ declares your value to him. Yeah, so if you ever feel like you're not worthy to be in the presence of God, that's a lie from hell. Stomp it into pieces and send it back to the pit, okay? Yes, come on. So earlier this year, I think it was about July, in an Insight Now podcast, another plug for the Insight Now crew, um, towards the end, Pastor Chris talked about how he feels like God wants to move here in this region like he does in the persecuted church. And we've all heard stories and testimonies about amazing things that happen in the persecuted church in China, you know, in the Arab countries, in the places where Christianity is not legal. You know, I, uh, Nathaniel White shared um, recently in an Insight Now podcast that in China, it's so dangerous to meet that they don't plan when they're going to meet. They don't talk about it. They don't announce it. Nothing. Everybody there, the believers have to trust that the Holy Spirit will bring them to the right place at the right time. And you know it's not a regular time either. Wow. It's always changing. And so, I, you know, I heard that and I went, oh, and I thought I was following the Spirit. I mean, I do, but what a level yes. of trust. Just in, And it's like, yeah, so it really, it gave me pause, like, okay, how much am I relying on my conventions and my traditions, which they're not bad, right. you know? They're only bad in as much as they keep me from the Lord, yeah. right? So how much am I letting those become a barrier to following the Holy Spirit? So I've been chewing on that for a while. That's a whole other message. Um, so for us in the not-so-persecuted church, I mean, there are some things that are rough, but we're not persecuted. Nope. We're really not. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. We really have to get intentional. We have to, we have to choose to take the amount of energy from ourselves and in our lives and the amount of attention necessary and devote it to the Lord yes. so he can move. Come on. You know, and it, it's, it's been such an interesting um, thing to pray about this week and think about, you know, how am I doing with that? Am I devoting time and attention every day to the Lord the way that my heart longs to? Yeah. There's not even a should in there. It's I long to do that. Yeah. You know, as we get to know the Lord and get to know his goodness and his love, our hearts long to be with him. We start to mirror what he, what he feels for us. Um, and so I've really been looking for places in my life where I've grown content. Mm -hmm. It's so, so, so easy to get in a groove yeah. and then that groove gets deeper and <laughs> deeper and you get comfortable and then it's a rut. And then the only difference between a rut and a grave is, de is depth. I almost said death, that too, but <laughs> <laughs> when you really get in a rut, it's hard to get out. It takes a lot more effort, Right. Um, but yeah, you're, you get stuck. Oh my gosh. One time I went with my dad to deliver hay. I grew up on a, on a gray, grain and hay farm. And, you know, we drove an hour and a half with the, the three ton truck stacked high with hay bales. And we drove down, this guy's farm was on a hill and the house is up here and there was a driveway and then there's a big drop and a, a driveway and then the barn. And it was... I don't remember if it was late winter or early winter, but it had been raining. And Dad drove that big truck down there, all loaded down with hay. They unloaded it. And then when he tried to leave, he couldn't because this, the trunk had really sunk in that soft mud with all that load on it. It took us probably three hours to get out of there. We did, eventually. Um, 
they ended up digging out from underneath and putting boards underneath the tires so he had something to drive on. Um, so yeah, I'm praying, God, show me where I need to put boards down <laughs> so that I can keep traction, yeah, come on. right? Um, <clears throat> yeah, There's, we have wonderful, wonderful times of worship here. I'm so grateful, whether I'm on the platform or not. We have wonderful times of worship here, and there's more. That's what just kept coming to me over and over in this message is there's more. There's more. There's more. Wanting more is not ungrateful. Wanting more is not being spoiled. Wanting more is, is saying, yes, Lord, I'll receive my inheritance. What's next? You know, what more do you have for me than the life I can live on my own, under my own power? Right? Because even though I am trying to, to live by the Holy Spirit and follow the Holy Spirit, it's so habitual to do so many things in our own power. So, yeah, I, I want more. I want more, church, because there is more, Amen. right? Um, a couple Sundays ago and then several times since, Chris has talked about it being time to run, to be bold and not hold back. And I'm going to add my voice to his publicly and say, yes, it's time to run. It's time to be bold and to not hold back and add an amen to that, um, because there's more. There's more. Yeah, come on. Um, <clears throat> yeah, it's time to press into the Lord, time to draw closer to him, time to receive more of the fullness of who he is, time to get more revelation about who he is and how he loves and, and how he thinks about us. And um, I don't know what that looks like in this moment, but God's faithful. Come on. Right? He's proved himself to all of us over and over and over. Yeah. And just like I was saying earlier, let him draw you into new things in worship. In that time when it's just you and him, let him draw you into new things. Let him show you new things. <clears throat> Excuse me. Yeah. Because we can draw near to God and he'll draw near to us. So, excuse me. <clears throat> the early apostles knew they hadn't preached the gospel fully if it wasn't followed by science wonders and miracles. And that's always been like, yeah, it's one of my favorite verses. That and um, John 14, 12, where Jesus says, those who follow me will do greater works than these, right? Um, and I know it's safe to say that we as a group are long past ready to see God move in signs, wonders, and miracles. Because we want to see the transformation. We want to see that undeniable witness that shows the world, the unbelievers, that our God is able. Right? What sets our God apart from idols and the strength of man? The supernatural. He does things that are impossible, and he does them through us. So, um, Paul wrote to the Romans, Romans 15, 18 through 20. Yet I dare not boast about anything except what Christ has done through me, bringing the Gentiles to God, thank you, by my message and by the way I worked among them. They were convinced by the power of miraculous signs and wonders and by the power of God's spirit. In this way, in this way, I have fully presented the good news of Christ from Jerusalem all the way to Illyricum. I 
love that salvation through the blood of Christ is not the sum total of the good news. Amen. It's just the first piece, yeah. right? It's the doorway into, the, into Papa's house, right? And there's, there's more, there's more, there's more. Um, and I love that as legally recognized citizens in the kingdom of heaven, and as cherished children that are welcome to run the halls and raid the fridge in his house, we get to step into that. And I feel like those two, um, Oikos and Ecclesia, household of God, kingdom of God, those two, like, they're so important. I'm still learning about how they interact and how they balance, but yeah, there's so much more. <laughs> so not long after I began leading the worship team, Holy Spirit said something very surprising to me. Um, he said, don't chase revival. And I was like, was I chasing revival? And I thought about it, and I, I had been. Because one of the things that drew me out of the church I was raised in, out of that tradition, that legalism, everything, was, was the scripture says, the people that follow me will do greater works than I did, because I go to the Father. And there were no greater works. And so I was, I was drawn out trying to find where I could feel God's presence where I could feel that exchange where there was a living expression yeah, come on. of his church on the earth. Yeah. Um, because I could no longer abide any forms of godliness with no power. Right. I was in a place in my life where I needed that power. Come on. I needed it. Um, I'm so grateful that coming here, I found a place where the power of God was believed, preached, expected, and seen. And I've always wanted more. And the, the best way to sum that up is that I want to see the victory over sin and death fully expressed here. Jesus conquered sin and death. And I'm done accepting any form of either. Either one. I'm over it because he, it's done. He won. So that's what we're, that's what I'm going to do anyway. <laughs> so I really do want more. Um, and then John 14, 12, most assuredly, I say to you, he who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also and greater works than these he will do because I go to my father. Um, I'm so grateful for that instruction from the Holy Spirit. Don't chase revival because it really clarified my role up here and, and helped recenter me on pursuing Jesus, Come on. right? And, and God alone and not what he could do for me and not, not what I could see, but just him, Whoa, just on. him. Because um, he's infinite and there's always more, yes. right? Um, many of us are familiar with Acts chapter two, verse one. When the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. Um, worship, worship really strengthens relationships and relationships strengthen worship. It's this beautiful, you know, it builds on itself um, cycle. As I read that, that verse though, the phrase one accord leapt off the page of me. So I went to Blue Letter Bible and I looked it up and the Greek word is homothumadon. Say that, homothumadon. Right, jinx. <laughs> the, the definition is with one mind, with one accord, with one passion. Oh, that's good. Isn't it good? Yeah. And then um, 
there's a little more. Um, Blue Letter Bible takes excerpts from a larger work that I didn't cite here. Um, but it says, a unique Greek word used 10 of its 12 New Testament occurrences in the book of Acts helps us understand the uniqueness of the Christian community. Homothumadon is a compound of two words meaning to rush along and in unison. The image is almost musical. A number of notes are sounded which, while different, harmonize in pitch and tone. As the instruments of a great concert, under the direction of a concert master, so the Holy Spirit blends together the lives of members of Christ's church. So good. I, yeah. Boy, he nailed that one. And what came to mind for me as I was thinking about that definition is hearing the THX music for the first time in the movie theater. Oh. Right? It starts, you're like, what is that? And all of this sound, this crystal clear sound, like comes from all over and it comes together and finally resolves in this one chord that just sends chills over everybody in the whole theater, right? Thinking about it does that to me. That's, that's the image that came together for me for Homo Thumadon, is, you know, like Jesus said, you know, we don't, you don't know where the Holy Spirit goes. It's like the wind. And those notes, they came, came from everywhere. Before spatial audio, it felt like spatial audio. Yeah. Um, so yeah. Um, I'm excited to learn more about that word in practice here. Because yeah. I feel like that's something God's going to begin unpacking in the that's house. So that we're going to begin experiencing and recognizing it. That we're, that we're coming into one accord. Love it. Yeah, I think that's a prophetic word for the house. Okay. <laughs> um, so another word... Um, that came about a year and a half ago while Jim was interim was he got a word, the Lord said, build the net, build the net, build the net. I was talking about relationships, you know, to invest in the relationships we have with one another and strengthen those. And that word tied in really interestingly with, with something I saw at Labarge a couple of years ago. Um, I was people watching during dinner. Amen. <laughs> it was so fun, you know, sitting back in the corner of the deck and just watching and, you know, kind of in that, that prayerful state and all of a sudden, you know, there's all these little, little groups of people, you know, twos, threes, talking together. And all of a sudden, I saw these white arcs of light connecting people from heart to heart. You know, in the spirit, I saw. But it's like, suddenly, I have a memory. I didn't live. It's that real. Um, and so I'm like, wow, that's really cool. And then, all of a sudden, there were explosions of power right at the midpoint of those arcs. That same white light just... You know, and I only saw a split second of it, so I didn't get to see how big the explosions were or where they went. But it was, it was so profound to me that it really can't just be me and Jesus. It has to be me, Jesus, and the body. Because that completes the circuit. Oh. So it's the love we carry for one another and the love for the world that we, we willingly give. That's the avenue for God's power to be released. So good. That's, that's the avenue for the more. Yeah. Um, and just a quick side note, this goes along with what Mika shared. And I've preached about relationships and vulnerability and change and doing things differently. And now I'm preaching about homothumadon and worship. And... Um, yeah, there's always more for me to heal. Just this week, I'm driving my son to school, and I realize 
oh wow, there's this big gnarly fear that's affecting every relationship in my life that I hadn't seen until that moment, right? So yeah, there's always more healing too. Um, yeah, I'm preaching to myself as much as anyone here. All of these things point to the reality that there is more for us as a community, more for us as we build relationships, come to trust one another more and more, and walk with one another through this crazy thing we call life. And as we enter into that more, the power of God will be released in the love and trust that will increase among us. I really, I just needed to read that. Um, So worship is an invitation, and it's a gateway into the fear of the Lord. And this is my favorite part. (laughs) Um, I believe God is hungry. He's hungry for our worship because it's, it's time that he has with us where we are focused, so focused in a unique way. You know, we're focused on him in prayer. We can be focused on him, on him in many other times and places, but I think worship provides a unique setting. Um, whether there's music or not, yeah. worship provides a unique setting for us to connect with the Lord. And he really is hungry for that. He misses us. Right. He really misses us. And um, when we really open our hearts in worship, it allows us to receive in ways that, isn't, that aren't possible mm-hmm. at other times. Right? And so it, he's hungry for our, our company, and he's hungry to get to show us and give us more. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, our, general, <laughs> our generously lavished love is the most precious, precious thing to the Lord. That's so good. <laughs> Thanks. So, how do we keep from slipping into ruts? How do we avoid that? Um, How do we avoid the familiarity that breeds contempt? Because I think, personally, I think that's a problem in spirit-filled Christianity, is that we get too familiar. And it's, it's, intimacy is good, it's vital. We have to be close to the Lord. And, he's holy. And, he's God, right? There's a, like oikos and ecclesia, household and kingdom, there's a balance there, right? Um, As I was learning to draw near to the Lord on my own, um, you know, because I come here and worship and be fed, and then all week long I would try, try to learn to open my heart, try to learn to connect with the Lord in the same way. It took a long time. (laughs) But as I was trying to learn to connect with the Lord on my own, I was really worried about developing the, famili- the familiarity that breeds contempt. Um, and because uh, up to that point, the awe and reverence I had for God, a lot of it came from a recognition of my desperate need and how broken I was. You know, at that point, I was always coming to worship with, oh God, oh God, you know? And, uh, as I, as I began to shift out of that, I remember standing right there one, one worship night and thinking, I don't desperately need anything right now. What do I do now? How do I worship if I, you know? Right. It was scary. Yeah. Um, so I was pressing in, God, how do, how do I do this? 
because I want to be close to you and I want to honor you. And he said, Annalie, the difference between intimacy and the familiarity that breeds contempt is an awareness of my holiness. Wow. And so, yeah, it's, and, and the, the process that has followed has been so beautiful to me because I draw near to the Lord and he draws near to me. And then I get a new revelation of who he is. And then that, I get totally undone and God rearranges a bunch of stuff. And my response is to draw nearer yet again. Yes. And then he draws nearer. Yeah. I open my, up my heart to him. He reveals a new facet of who he is. It, I get totally undone. <laughs> You know, and, and God works things out and rearranges things, puts things back together in his image. And then the response to this revelation of the power and the love and the holiness of God is to draw closer again. The fruit of proper fear of the Lord is being drawn closer to him. It's not, it's not distance. It's intimacy. Mm. I'm trying to catch up where I am in my notes. <laughs> so, the increasingly famous worship night at LaBarge this year um, was a really, I think it was amazing and pivotal and, and world changing. Because yeah. um, we all just started singing Holy. The, the song by Kim Walker Smith, Holy, came on. And and you know, that first verse is just so beautiful. But then we all just started singing the chorus, holy, and people were just hitting their faces, you know, and the holiness of the Lord descended. Um, and at, at some point, I don't remember when, all of a sudden in the spirit, I saw this enormous Jewish wedding canopy, a huppa, made of wood, rise up out of the floor and, and continue upward until the four corners touched the ceiling. At, at the Potter's house. It's a big Quonset hut type of building. Um, and so, you know, it went up until, anyway, it was huge. And um, first I was in awe because I knew our worship, the worship was, was rose, raised that up for the Lord. And then I had this feeling like it's empty. The bridegroom is supposed to come. And that didn't make a lot of sense to me because in all the weddings I know of, the bride's there first and then the groom comes, right? In Jewish weddings, it's the other way around. The groom enters the help of first and then the bride joins him. There's so much more symbolism that comes after that. I'm going to preach on that someday. Um, but yeah, I just, I just kept noticing that huppah and, and feeling the potential, the huge invitation that was there. And then all of a sudden, um, I have permission to share this. Paul Ferrante starts to cry out with this depth of longing. I have never heard any human voice before. I mean, the cries were so unguarded. It felt like, you know, hearing them, it felt like they came up from somewhere beneath his feet, rooted deep in the ground, and like tore out of his body. And he was just going, oh. At one point he said, oh God. 
And as I'm listening to this and I'm trying to just take it in because it's so vulnerable and beautiful and, and disarming and, yeah, and there's such longing. It's like he made in sound the, the feeling I had of that empty hope of that, that invitation. And then the Holy Spirit said, that's the longing I have for my bride. Most of us have never, we, like we don't have, and even hearing that, and as moved as I am, I still feel like I don't have a grid for how much God longs for us. Yeah. How much he longs for us. So there's more, there's more, there's more, there's more. As human beings, we rely on our ability to learn something and then be proficient or really good at it and then not have to think about it anymore because we have limited minds. And, uh, you know, if I had to think about everything I was doing at the keyboard every Sunday, I couldn't sing, I couldn't lead anybody anywhere. I couldn't even necessarily produce all that great of a sound because I'd be thinking about so many other things. I, there would be no room for expression. And, um, you know, instead of having to think about taking each step and walking, we all learn to walk, and then we walk so we can get somewhere, right? And... With the Lord, there are definitely things that we can do that way. There are skills we can develop. Um, and yet, there's an element of our relationship with him that needs to never go there. Right? Yeah. Because there, there's always more. Um, a lot of times when we see someone demonstrate a skill that we don't understand, and they're good at it, we think, oh, that looks easy. <laughs> and yet, if you, <laughs> if you try to do it yourself, or you, you know try to learn it at some point, you go, oh my gosh, that was not easy. You know, there's all these little skills that come together to make something really beautiful. Um, and so, as human beings, we have a tendency to go, oh, that's all there is. That, that looked easy. That, you know, it must be easy. There must not be more. Um, and so, one of the things I want to encourage you with today is there's always more. There's always more, more in every direction, more in every dimension, um, more in every relationship, more in every place. You know, there's, and God's always, he always has more for us. Um, when you think you've gone too far, when you think you've worn out his patience, I mean, there's always more. There's an unending supply. So we're in a season that's really beckoning us into the more of God. Um, you know, everybody who stands up here, it comes out of their mouths pretty much. And uh, I feel like God's putting banks up in a swamp, bringing this together as a house in a more, in a more unified mission so that there can be flow and direction and so the water can be clean, right? Because when water moves, it gets clean. Um, and... 
you know, speaking from experience, a lot of times when banks are put up, it's not fun. Personally, it usually challenges me deeply. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's so worth it. It's so worth it. Because then when that, the banks are established and the river's flowing, then the earth around can dry out and become productive right. and be irrigated yes. and produce things. You know, Ezekiel's river that comes out of the temple from the place where the priests worship. Um, you know what happened? It went out and it irrigated the land and the trees grew along the banks that were, you know, their leaves were for food and medicine to heal the nations. It's like there's, there's, there's so much more there in the river analogy. Um, Thanks. Um, so we're going to activate this word in just a minute. Um, Pastor Chris is going to come up and play a song. And, um, and we're going to worship for a few minutes. And I want to encourage everyone to let God pull you into something new. I don't care what that looks like. And, you know, I just said worship is, biblical worship is active. You know, they're verbs. And if you don't move, I'm not going to judge you. Okay? And let God pull you into something new. Ask him what, what, the, what this looks like for you today. Ask him to show himself or show you some new aspect of himself, whatever comes to mind. But just let him draw you into something new. Um, you're welcome to get up, move around. There's blankets in these baskets on either side of the stage. If anyone wants to come up and kneel down at the altar, it's, I'd like to have a blanket over my back um, or lay down or whatever. I've spent a lot of hours on my face at this altar. It's a good place to meet God. Okay, so I'm going to pray. Papa, thank you. Thank you. Thank you for being the great I am and for being my Papa God. Thank you for being more than enough. Thank you for the way there is always more and that I can't mess it up. Thank you, God, for the way you're leading us, the way that you're speaking to us as a house and as individuals. And I just praise you for what you're doing here. And God, I pray that as we move into this, this time of worship, that, that we will find our hearts, all of us, myself included, will find our hearts opening in new ways to you, that we'll learn more about you, that, that we'll, we'll taste the more and get a little, even if it's just a tiny little bit, a new understanding of what you have in store for us, what we're being invited into. Thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Thank you for joining us today. Harvest Valley Worship Center is called to be a refuge for healing and a launch pad for transformation. If this message impacted you today, please let us know in a comment, or you can email us at media at hvwc.com. Thank you for joining us, and we look forward to connecting with you.